0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to OBR weekly for January 4th, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher and resident web dork of the orange and brown report. Uh, My job is to ask questions from you folks in the chat room uh, and, uh, to ask them to uh, OBR beat writer, Fred, the legend, greet them, uh, who will provide the actual knowledge and insight that powers the program. How is it going, Fred?
1: However you want it to be going there, Barry. Barry.
0: I want it to be going great (coughs) because I want this, I want this to be another awesome OBR weekly, just like the last couple of weeks have been. And you out there (laughs) listening. You out there listening uh, and watching can make it be an awesome program with your comments and questions. Uh, You guys really make the show. Uh, I come in with a couple of questions for Fred to sort of kick things off. But uh, really, we try to answer pretty much everything that you guys point to us uh, throughout the course of the show. Uh, uh, Otherwise, you know, we just sort of sit here and and, – you know, gossip about uh, what's going on in the OBR Slack rooms and things like that, which is really boring to everybody else. So um, please hit us up with your questions. We've already got a couple of them uh, in the chat room, and we'll get to those. Uh, But first of all, let's talk a uh, little bit uh, about uh, what's going on uh, in the world of the Cleveland Browns and the world of the NFL. Uh, First thing, let's talk about what happened on Sunday, and I think the most important thing that happened on Sunday is the arrival of what we all expected Deshaun Watson to be, uh, at least in the second half. Uh, The Watson that we had uh, been hoping to see uh, arrived in the um, uh, second half of the game against the Commanders uh, as he threw three touchdown passes and had some wild escapes from a tough Commanders defensive front. Uh, Granted, Jonathan Allen was out, uh, but still it's a pretty impressive front four that he was facing and an impressive performance. Fred, what do you think happened uh, other than halftime between the first and second halves that made Watson so much more effective uh, in that second half? Mm Do you just think he found it or what happened that flipped that switch?
1: Well, I think he found Amari Cooper. He didn't throw to him at all in the first half. They just tried to get a first down, third and five, a little simple out, and the defender slipped, or he just missed the tackle, and nobody else was out there, and Cooper went for a touchdown. Just seemed to to set everything on fire. Then, you know, everything started clicking, and. You know, and it was – sometimes those are the things that happen in sports. You just got to get in a rhythm. <clears throat> you know, even Baker Mayfield, he was a rhythm quarterback. He would go 10 for 10 to start a game, or he might, you know, never find the rhythm, as we saw last year, more mm-hmm. than than finding it. And I think it's the same thing with Watson. Same thing with Donovan Mitchell the other night. You know, he couldn't miss once he got going. It, he could have thrown it up blindfolded when it went in. And I, that's how it is in sports, and and I think Watson needed that. I think Browns fans needed it to see it. It's what I've been seeing since he got here. He's a superior athlete, very accurate, mm-hmm. all those things, and you just wanted to see it in the game. It was unfortunate that the weather was so bad against New Orleans because if you could add that weather a week earlier, I think I think the Browns might still be playing for a playoff spot. any game, you know, earlier, but it's better later than never. Now what I like to see is pick up where he left off and go over there and, and blow the Steelers out. I don't know if that's realistic, but I think that would be the frosting on the cake, so to say. And, and people would really be excited for 2023 because you can see the possibilities. You have a quarterback, especially when he runs the ball that, is a whole nother dimension.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, we haven't seen quarterback play like that uh, here. Um, You know, certainly Baker Mayfield had his moments and other quarterbacks for the Browns rarely have had moments uh, in the past. But uh, we haven't seen a quarterback with that escapability, you know, that Watson brings uh, ever here in Cleveland since the return but obviously they're going to Pittsburgh uh, Pittsburgh's run defense has been surprisingly good uh, this year. Uh, Alex Highsmith uh, and Watt, obviously uh, very strong uh, edge rushers. Uh, how challenging do you think it's going to be for Washington to replicate uh, that kind of performance against the Steelers defense is going to be very focused uh, on dominating the line of scrimmage.
1: Well, it's, I mean, on paper, the Washington had a better defense. They were fourth in mm-hmm. the NFL right. um, in that front four. The Steelers, you know, I don't know how far they slipped when they didn't have Watt, but they're more in the middle. You know, I think they're twelve or 13th. They're very good, and they always play the Browns better. Uh, Browns put up 29 points against them at home. <clears throat> um, I think it could be similar to the Bengals game where – you don't have as much success over there in Pittsburgh, but I really think unless I haven't looked at the long range forecast for Sunday, but unless it's a really bad weather day, I, I think they can put up points in the passing game against the Steelers. Um, And I think they'll, I think they'll be fine. You know, as far as I do think Washington had a better defense, but they figured it out later in the game and, you know, when you, when you only throw nine completions and you have three touchdowns, that's very efficient. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and he said that's what he's all about is, you know, if he can throw the ball 15, 20 times and they win, that's okay with him. So we'll see. But I think that the Steelers – are just the Steelers. I've been over there so many times for the season finale. It always seems like they schedule the Browns in Pittsburgh for the season finale. And I don't know how many times I've been over there, you know, listening to Jimmy Haslam in the locker room, explaining why they're firing the coach, you know, or while they're making a change or even before Haslam, you know, Randy Lerner or whatever. Yeah, It just seems like, you know, that's a tradition like nothing else, you know, fire people and losing Pittsburgh in the finale. But um, I think they can they can spoil the parade for the Steelers. I think that's really the about the only motivation the Browns have. But with the offense picking up where it left off and showing, they really are heading in the right direction. So I expect a tough game. It's like I said, I think last week I wrote about it. The Steelers, they—you can think they're going to have a rebuilding year, and still they're in contention for the playoffs. I don't even know how they are when you look at their their offense. They're scoring about seventeen a game. Um, they got a rookie quarterback who's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns, and yet they're eight and eight. And if the Browns do not beat them, the Browns will get last place. I don't yeah. know if the Steelers will still make the playoffs. They still have odds against them, but. I think the other factor is I think you'd like to have Mike Tomlin finally have a losing season. You think about that. Browns think it's a big thing to have a winning year. The guy's never had a losing season since they hired him in 2007. Every year he's had a winning record. This is the he's eight and eight, so it's all in this game. You know, in that regards. But um, I think it'll be tough. I I think even if the Steelers had ten guys out, it'd be tough. They just, I mean, they beat the. Browns with Duck Hodges. They beat the Browns with Mason Rudolph. They meet the Browns with guys like you never heard of. So there's just something about playing over there in Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, it's sick. Uh, you know, their quarterback with all these mediocre statistics that he's amassed over the course of his rookie season, he uh, he's led them on I think three game-winning drives in a row. You know, he just comes to life in the last two minutes and you know, something to watch out for. And, and they get Watt back and all of a sudden they're seven and two or seven and three uh, with Watt back, you know, even though, uh, you know, he uh, uh, has not necessarily set the world on fire. But all of a sudden everything is clicking for the Steelers uh, and uh, their offensive line is magically coming together and their run defense is magically coming together. And uh, they're just annoying as hell and uh, nothing would make me happier than to see the uh, Browns offense click like it did last week and for us to knock them out of the playoffs. Uh, I wouldn't say that it would make this whole uh, uh, miserable 2022 uh, campaign worth it uh, to knock them out of the playoffs, but it sure would take a lot of the sting out of a uh, very Mm -hmm. difficult campaign. So we'll talk a little bit more about the Steelers here uh, moving forward. Uh, But I want to talk about another key player, player on the Browns, uh, who uh, maybe doesn't get all the credit he should. And that's Nick Chubb. Uh, Nick Chubb has uh, had a very, another very good game uh, last week. uh, And he is zeroing in on 1500 yards, as you wrote about today for uh the first time in his career do you think you know statistically this looks like the best year in chub's career do you think this is his best year fred
1: yeah he's been very consistent stayed on the field um he's had some big games had but he's consistent i mean even the other day went over 100 but the games before you know he quietly had like 92 yards against the saints and that Blizzard and he had ninety-nine, I think, against the Ravens, who I think that's the most they've given up all year, unless they gave up more last week, but they hadn't given up anybody that had rushed more than 90 yards. And the guy was Chubb the first time. So Mm -hmm. yeah, he's just consistent. You can count on him. And seems like he's getting more and more into the rhythm, you know, of working with Watson, taking the handoffs, you know, or in the read option. So Yeah, he's an unsung hero, and if he can get 52 yards, he'd hit 1,500. And you all know there's only one other back to ever go over 1,500 in franchise history. And the Browns are a Hall of Fame factory when it comes to running backs. You know, Jim Brown did it three times, and he played less games than Chubb. Got to give that credit. And he had 1,800 yards in 1963, averaged six yards a carry. But he went over 1,500 two other times, just barely. So Chubb would be in fine company. I think he should be able to get 50 yards. Um, he's done it, um, I think, every game this year. And um, so that that would be quite an accomplishment. And he even, he even acknowledged it today, you know, that he hadn't done that before. And so I think that would be – I don't think he can get the rushing title – He's about 160, 180 yards behind Jacobs, unless Jacobs doesn't play and Chubbs goes off. But that's tough to do against the Steelers anyway. But, no, hats off to him. Four straight years in the Pro Bowl, you know, joins Jim Brown. That's enough said. But, I mean, Leroy Kelly's in the Hall of Fame. Bobby Mitchell's in the Hall of Fame. Marion Motley. I mean, for a while, this was known as running back, you know, center. Yeah. And Nick Chubbs went to the top of the list here. <clears throat> uh,
0: you, you sort of bumped up against my next question here. Um, you know, assuming that, uh, <clears throat> let's say Chubb is, continues to play at a high level for the next five years. By high level, I don't expect him to maintain this level of production for the next five years. You know, running backs just don't do that anymore. But let's say he gets another three years at 1,000 yards and, maybe 700, you know, and, and fades off sort of gradually. Do you think we're talking about a guy who, uh, you know, starts getting some hall of fame talk here in a few years?
1: Yeah, I think he's in the, he's in the conversation. I mean, he's over 6,000 yards. If he could get four more of those years, that'd be 10,000. I think that's a pretty distinguished Mark right there. Um, It just, yeah, a lot's to be said. We've seen running backs. I'm not, I don't believe in jinxes, but, you know, that have kind of faded quickly. You know, guys like Sean Alexander came out of nowhere at like 37 touchdowns and then he kind of faded off. And, right. Ladanian Tomlinson. There's been a lot of backs that are right at the top and then they fade quickly. So I think, I think he's, um, you know, not been, over overused. I mean, a lot of fans would think that they used you know, hunt or take Chubb out too much. He's got 290 carries, <clears throat> and that was interesting. It caught my eye because in that Jim Brown year, he had 291 carries. So um, he isn't really being, you know, overused if you compare it to Jim Brown. But right. um, yeah, when you and that was 12 games, I think. So all being said, yeah, I think he's got the. He's got a path to it, but I don't know what'll, you know, what happens here going forward.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine him ask, answering a question about that, you know, with anything other than a nod or something like that. It just doesn't seem like the the type to even entertain that sort of thing. Um, so let's let's talk about another matter. You know, lengthy injury report today, but the only two that matter uh, that weren't just resting were uh, Jack Conklin. With an ankle and uh, Ward with a shoulder. Um, I'm sure the Browns gave you all kinds of of details about those injuries uh, and gave you all kinds of insights, skinny about them. But, you know, even with the lack of information that you, you get from the team, is there anything that you can tell us uh, about Conklin and Ward and, and their injury situation?
1: Well, what we were told, I, I wrote in my notes um, that most significant to me was Stefanski said that he's not rolling either player out. So, last game of the year, it seemed like it'd be pretty easy to just say, Yeah, they're too far gone to play this week. So, right. uh, you know, it seemed to be a trend this year with injuries. You see guys go out of the game and they never return, but then they play the next week, you know? So I don't get, you know, I saw Ronnie Harrison go out a game and he never came back and then he played the next week. Uh, it might've been cause they thought he had a concussion, but he didn't have a concussion. Uh, Ward has been on the injury report with a shoulder injury for two, three weeks. And he, he left with a shoulder injury. So I think he was trying, I think he got hit by a McLaren on a, on a block. And that's when he left the field. Um, I did see he was on the field today on the stationary bike. So that almost tells me it, it might be similar to what he's been dealing with. So I think, you know, I, I would guess that he has a better chance of playing than Conklin. If, if you could only pick one, just because, Conklin might be fine, but I think they want to see James Hudson, really. Right. You know, but but Conklin might, might be fine, too. I don't know. His is an ankle. He left the game and didn't return the other day, and they put Hudson in for the rest of the game. So your guess is good as mine. Unless right. they practice. If they practice Thursday or Friday, then I would say – one or both would play. If they don't practice by Friday, they probably won't play. That's pretty much it. So to follow the reports that we put out, whether they practiced or not, that does seem to make it uh, important. The only one was, like last week, Clowney practiced. And I guess now you can practice and not be completely cleared of the concussion. I guess it's the final step now. Because if you remember, they put him questionable because he hadn't been cleared. He was fine, but he hadn't been cleared. Then he got cleared, and mm. so he played. So, other, But he did practice Friday. So it still seems to be a pretty strong uh, indicator if they're practicing on Friday, they're going to play.
0: Right, right. Well, uh, we shall see. So stay tuned to the OBR and, uh, at Fred breathe nine on Twitter. Twitter apparently is still a thing, still in business. So, uh, follow Fred <laughs> breathe there and he will have, uh, the latest, uh, on, uh, uh, the practice status of those two players. Uh, let's just talk. I, I, I don't want to belabor it. Uh, the DeMar Hamlin situation, uh, obviously pretty traumatic for everyone who was watching and, uh, uh, it just seemed to me, Fred, uh, based on your reporting and uh, what I saw out there, that, that players really seemed to be taken aback uh, by that situation. Were really sort of affected by it. Uh, did you get that? Did you get that impression that uh, uh, it, it was really something that that impacted them?
1: Yeah. I mean, and, and it's natural because every one of them saying that could be me, you know, every Mm -hmm. play I'm doing the same thing and, you know, and, you know, as far as the, the human element of it, I understand why my colleagues, that's all they ask, you know, for, in all the interviews pretty much. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that. You know, the players are getting asked about it. They're all talked about, talking about it amongst themselves. Obviously, it is a big, it is a big issue. It is, it just, you know, the bigger pictures, the frailty of human life. You know, mm-hmm. I might not get off this show without dropping. You might not. That's how it is every day in life. But we don't, we're not drawn to that focus because, with the football game and everybody watching it, that's everything stopped and and rightly so. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was reading about I think it was in the sixties, and I'm not condoning this. I think a guy the Packers and the Lions were playing, and a Packer died, and he got carted off and they just picked up where they left off, you know. Right. And I'm like, whether they knew it or not at the time, I don't know. But I was like, wow. But <clears throat> nowadays, I guess my point is. It is part of the game. It is a very serious part. But what if a guy up in the stands, how many people during games are having heart attacks and you know dying or in accidents on the way home and dying? There's no attention to that because they're not NFL football players.
0: Right. You right, know? right, right. And I'm not
1: saying that it shouldn't be, but I'm just saying it is a little higher um, chance of this type of thing happening you know, an NFL football game. I mean, we see them even in non-contact practice hitting. Right. And, uh, you know, part of what, what I've played in sports and baseball and there was, there was instances I was aware of with kids getting hit in the chest with a ball and it can knock the heart out of rhythm. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's what happened, you know, with the getting hit in that area, but Right. They can take all the precautions they want, but it happens. But it's it's so rare, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, we all know Jack Tatum. We all know the highlight reel and the Daryl Stingley thing, you know, that he was paralyzed, you know, and that was very traumatic. But football is a very violent game. and And, yeah, I mean, I don't know what all they can do other than just say, that's it, we're not playing football anymore.
0: Yeah, which is which is not going to happen in the in the short term. But uh, I would think, especially for such young men, you know, seeing a uh, you know near fatality like that uh, on a football field in such a familiar situation had to be somewhat traumatic, and uh, really seeing those emotions play out uh, is, uh, is is very affecting. But we're going to move on. We're going to return back to football. Uh, and uh, another difficult situation is, uh, can be found at the end of every year uh, when jobs are at stake, and one job that appears to be at stake is that of defensive coordinator Joe Woods. Uh, you wrote about that today in your uh, article, uh, and uh, if I could quote from you here, uh, you wrote, in the last six games, the Browns have given up 17 points or less in five of six games. The most points they'd given up was 23 and loss to the Bengals over the last six games. The defense is allowing just 14 points a game after allowing nearly 27 a game in the first 10, in the first 10 games, the defense allowed only less than 17 points in one game. So that's Joe Woods record. The defense has turned it around once again in 2022, just like they did in 2021. This has shades of, Fool us once, shame on you. Fool us twice, shame on us when it comes to Joe Woods turning around the defense in the second half after it destroyed our season in the first half, Fred. Do you think that he gets a second mulligan uh, after uh, a a really bad first half for a defense uh, uh, in turning around the defense in the second half?
1: You know – That's why I wrote about it, to just kind of get thoughts on it. You know, fans are action. If you haven't read it, go to the OBR.com and read it. Um, Because I'd throw out those stats for that reason. Last year, the reason everybody was optimistic about 2022, at least I was, because in the last 11 games, they were playing very well. And the offense was so pathetic last year. They couldn't score more than 17 points down right. the stretch and they lost those games. So you're thinking, okay, even if Watson suspended, you know, six games, eight games, whatever, you know, they can overcome that. Well, then we knew it was 11 games, but then you have Jacoby Perzette putting up 25 a game and they're, they're in the top 10 in the NFL. And yet the defense is given up 27 a game and, and they're losing. So, it's it's befuddling to me. They had injuries to key players, and yet they're playing better down the stretch. Now, how do you how do you gauge the Saints game? That was like the most points they've given up in the last three games, and that was in a hurricane. But yeah, I, that's why I bring the question because what if you know the the Steelers are scoring like seventeen a game? They're 29th, in the. What if the Browns hold them to like ten this week? Mm-hmm. you know, and you, and they went big, you know, and then you're like, man, how can you fire the guy when you just hold team to three, 17, 10 and, and say 10 again in the NFL, when teams score in the twenties, at least even the worst teams. So right. I think the Browns have to look at the big picture here because as I wrote in that article, if you read further is that you cannot afford the defense to not play until the second half of the year because, just like this year, it cost them the playoffs. Any way you look at it, you could throw the special teams in there, but the defense is the reason this team is not going to playoffs. Not the offense, the defense. They they should have won. There's no question they shouldn't have blown that Jets game. And mm-hmm. even the Jets game, you know, I don't know the tiebreakers now, but if you're 8-8 eight and eight going into this week, I know you have the tiebreaker in the division, you right. know, you, you would muscle out some of them teams. So anyway, yeah, I, I just think it's time to move on. You need a new voice. Um, but I don't know for sure if that'll happen. I, Kevin Stefanski just been very uh, I don't know if you want to call it stubborn. You want to call it uh, loyal, you want it continuity but he just doesn't seem to make any changes. And unless he is forced to make a change, I don't know if he'll do it on his own. You know, they say they do everything collaboratively. I can see him saying, well, I don't want to do it, but the rest of the front office shows him the stats and this and that and things I point out, I don't know. And he goes, okay, yeah, it's the best thing to do or whatever. I don't know, but I do think that, the body of work says you need a change. Right. I'm interested to see what everybody, I think the prevailing thought amongst fans is that he should have been fired at the midway point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Clearly. You know, clearly. And then they
1: played their best game maybe of the year against the Bengals. The night before the bye went into that week. I don't know if that had anything to do with it. I doubt it, but um, yeah. Yeah. So now you got the end of the season. They're kind of on a trend upward. I just think you got to look at the big picture here, and you got to take what you have, and you got to, day one, be be a top ten defense, at least top fifteen next year.
0: And I guess that's one of the questions too. If you do replace them, you got a new defensive coordinator, maybe a new system, you know, maybe some new players that the defensive coordinator brings in aren't you dooming yourself to a slow start again next year, you know, with a new guy? I don't,
1: yeah, I don't think you can change the system. I mean, maybe not the same plays Woods, but you can't go from a 4-3 to a 3-4 with a new coordinator with the personnel you have. Right. You build it with this. You cannot make – Miles Garrett is not a 3-4 guy, you know, and, and so you got to stay with the same system – and and very similar philosophy. I don't think you just let somebody come in and wholesale change it. That's where, but but I don't just want a change for a change. I want somebody that's been there done that. He's he's been a successful defensive coordinator in the NFL and maybe even been a head coach, a former coach that's been successful, you know, that can come in and hit the ground running immediately and make it work. They need some upgrading personnel. But if if their pool of options is not very big because they would have to change too much, that, again, might be a reason they bring them back. I don't know. But I don't really know who's somebody that has a similar philosophy that has been very successful, you know, at, at, as a defensive coordinator and a head coach or one or the other. But, you know, I know um, – you know, some of the guys—they're already defensive coordinators, so I don't think unless they got fired, they would be interested in moving over laterally.
0: Yeah, we—there's we, the, been some analysis that Brad Ward and Jake Burns and others have done that you can find in the forums and uh, that uh, some that I've linked uh, recently uh, in the buzz and, and elsewhere, uh, which is mentioned some names that might have compatible systems. Voltron here says to Woods' credit, you had players learning new positions this year. and They did get blasted by injuries. I I think one impressive thing is how well the defense has played with all the injuries at the linebackers, and you have to give Woods credit for that. On the other hand, you know, counterpoint is that they have played – this was true last year as well. (laughs) Down the stretch, they played some really struggling offenses. Um, This year, you know, they got Carson Wentz, who really did them a lot of favors – you know, they played some struggling offenses again this year. Um, you know, the Steelers are not a gangbusters offense either, uh, who they're going to play this week, as you pointed out, Fred. And thinking back on it, some of those defensive uh, lapses earlier this year, the busted coverages, letting a guy like Caleb Huntley run all over you uh, with the Falcons, just unforgivable Uh you know fireable offenses in my opinion and I'm not one a guy who says that sort of thing lightly um i i just don't know if if, if those sort of things are forgivable uh even with the turnaround that the, that the team has had but that's just my opinion if your opinion well, is different in the chat room please feel free to hit us up on it
1: well i'll say that you know that was part of my point in my story is that when they play a really good offense like the chargers they give up in the 30s, you know. Mm-hmm. They played the Jets, who aren't really known to be in a great offense. They got 31 points. The Ravens, well, not the Ravens, the Patriots, they have struggled most. They had 38 points against the Browns' defense.
0: Right, um,
1: right. Like I said, five times they gave up 30 or more points in the first 10 games. 39 against the Dolphins, you know, and then 31 against the Bills. The Bills might have been the most legitimate of the group, And he's playing, they're playing well, but it's against, yeah, teams that are lower tier or struggling quarterbacks. I remember last year, the Lions, they had a guy named Tim Boyle and he beat them by like one point or something, you know, and that was an offensive, I think it was like seven, six or something like that. It was so big deal, but yeah, um, that's, that's my point is that I do think somebody pointed out being aggressive. You put all this money into cornerbacks and defensive ends. How about locking down the outside receivers and, and attacking and not sitting back there and letting them go all the way down the field? Um, we we saw that a little bit the other day. You know, just just mm-hmm. go at them, be aggressive, and I think the offense if the offense can get fully clicking, like we expected to do in 23, that will cover a multiple of sins. And one of the things I wrote in my story with the silver lining is because they struggled offensively and have recently, it really pointed out the defense, you know, the struggles on that side of the ball because they lost games because the offense couldn't, score enough points when the defense could have just held the team down made a stop and they'd won the game so yeah i just think it's too little too late you know you don't get anything going um till it's too late in the season and on the point you just had you put up on screen previously is i disagree of having to learn new positions they brought back nine of the 11 starters i gave them a pass in 21. That's why they had a slow start because they were all new, new guys in the system. This year you had nine of the 11 Anthony Walker got hurt in maybe the third game, fourth game, but still they've had most of the team, you know, on defense, the two defensive tackles were the only two positions that they got new. And when I didn't really know if those were upgrades or not, but, um, whether that's on Joe Woods or or not, or on Andrew Barry. But still, I think they had continuity this year, and that's why we expected them to play much better.
0: All right, fair enough. Um, Well, I tell you what, let's start going to some of those uh, uh, chat room questions. We've got 13 of them stored up here. Uh, If you've got more, please hit us up with them. Uh, uh, First question we have Oh, this is a good one. Fumble 13. Will Fred pull out the shades? I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the future is bright enough, you know, at at this point with us facing the Steelers this week for Fred to pull out the shades. Well, if you ask me,
1: you ask me about this week, you know, what I think or whatever, you know, at some point here tonight, I'll I'll give (laughs) you an answer.
0: All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Next question we get is from Mr. Robinson. And he asked us well before the show started, he said, will the Browns involve Watson when it comes to bringing out a wide end and free agency perhaps? <laughs> and uh, that's a separate question from the second one. Uh, do you think that Watson will be consulted, you know, bringing in maybe talking Will Fuller out of retirement or uh, <laughs> I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is available, but uh, bringing in someone that uh, maybe uh, Watson <clears throat> favors back into the system Fred. Right?
1: Well, I think that most most teams do consult their quarterback, you know, just to keep them in the loop. But I don't think, you know, they're relying on them to be the personnel guy. Um, more of a, you know, want them to be involved in decision-making. But I have to think that they see right now, it's great to get a Schwartz in the third round or a Robinson in the third round or a Woods in the sixth round but you cannot count on the rookie guy to come in. Even the one that's having a great year with the Packers, Watson, Christian Watson took him half the year before him and uh, right. Rogers got on the same page. <clears throat> you have to bring in a guy like we said last offseason that can step right in a veteran guy that can take the top off. And I would even go to say that would fit between Cooper and Peoples-Jones. I think Peoples-Jones has done great. But I still would like another guy in between those two that – so you have three threats downfield and a guy that can take the top off. If it's Will Fuller, go get him. If it's it's somebody else, go get him. But, yes, they need a guy that steps in – the offseason programs ready to go. And you know what you're going to get. Not like, well, we hope he develops and by the middle of the year he can make a catch or two. You know, that's what you're getting out of these third-round draft picks. And we all knew when you traded the way your first that you weren't going to get a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Olave or those type of guys. And it's the same situation this year. Thank goodness he was able to trade a fifth round pick for Amari Cooper. I'd say, go see if you got any more of them on the shelf, you know, (laughs) my goodness. But just even on the Cooper, we saw when he was hurting or he doesn't play, they have nothing. So that's another reason why you need another top three receiver that's immediately top three on this group. So that's what I have to say there. As far as um, more aggressive on the play calling, I don't think Kevin Stefanski is really going to change the way he is. He's just – he is what he is. He's going to go for it sometimes when you're thinking, what in the world are you doing? And other times when you're going to say, what in the world are you doing? You know, it's like (laughs) the other day, the rule is when you get points, you don't take them off the board. He made the field goal and they took the penalty – Took the points off the board and it wasn't like they were putting the ball on the one. They put it on the three, I think. So anyway, it worked out for him, you know, winning the game, but for a while it was a seven to three game at halftime. And you thought seven, six would have looked a lot better. So
0: yeah,
1: all that being said, yeah, I I don't know. I think Stefanski is Stefanski and he's going to just do what he does.
0: All right. Fair enough. Uh, I I was going to say just, he's going to do what the analytics say that he should probably do, you know, either way. But at any rate, Paul Spencer asks, if Woods get fired, do you think it'll happen sooner or later? What's your, what's your gut on that one, Fred?
1: Well, I think if they do it, it would be soon. I mean, unless they, unless they're not on a consensus and, I mean, usually when the minds made up, it's done on whatever they call it, Black Monday, next Monday when everybody gets fired, the head coaches. Um, in fairness, you know, so he can get another job or whatever. Um, what good does it do unless unless they, they there's something that hadn't been decided ahead of time and then they, have, they go into the offseason with a disagreement and they can't come to a consensus and – that, that is what causes it to lag out. But I think that – I don't I don't know. I think Stefanski would have the say. It's his staff. But if he balks and doesn't want to do that and the owner wants him to or even the general manager wants him to, then, you know, Stefanski could say, you know, I'll, I'll die on this hill. I don't think he would. But, you know, that's the only way it would not be immediately, in my opinion. But, again, yeah. I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, they don't think the way the fans think, you know. They might say, you know, we got it figured out now. Um, let's let's do. I just think that you need a fresh start. But I will say this. You've got to have a better option than just fire somebody to fire somebody. Right. You know, I, I'm not the idea – mostly when you see with head coaches around here with the Browns, they fire a guy, but they don't have, they might have their eyes set on somebody, but then he turns them down and number two turns them down three, four. And then you get a guy like Rob Chanczynski or Mike Patton, who are just so hoping to get a head coaching. They they do whatever. So I just think that you have to have feelers out there that you can, get a guy you want immediately, you know, and you know something about him and you know he's been there, done that, and it's an upgrade from day one.
0: Right. I have to give Red Leader props. He echoes your sentiment, Fred, uh, about uh, make sure you've got somebody better uh, winking in the wings before you get rid of your guy. Uh, I agree with you. I I think it will happen relatively quickly because you you don't want to, do Woods a disservice if you're going to let him go by uh, uh, holding on to him uh, until other opportunities disappear. But I do think it'd take a couple of days with this group because they're so consensus driven. Uh, let's talk about and Clowney. There was a report uh, in the media the other day that uh, there's mutual interest uh, reading the report. It sort of seemed like more coach speak, coach sort of saying, yeah, we sure need him and uh, the player saying, yeah, I like it here, then there's you know actual agent talk about continuing the contract. So it seemed to me to be a little bit overblown. But uh, what do you think? Do you think it's worth trying to keep Clowney around a year? Or uh, uh, do you think he'll uh... – <clears throat> play his old I think, games again Fred. I think
1: when he plays that he helps the defense. You just can't count on him. I said that last year. Right. And he had one of his best years. He had nine sacks. With that said, he didn't really draw a lot of interest last year. And I thought he would with nine sacks and really had in one of his resurrection year. And this year he's missed games. I think he's got two sacks. Um he does help in the running game and you can see when he when he's in there. Again, we've been saying this for several years. you got to get the long-term answer to Garrett, and I don't think it's Clowny at this stage of his career. I don't know if Alex Wright is that guy either, um, but you're in a position when you don't have first-round pick. Most of those guys go in the first round, you know, those marquee positions. So, again, unless you have a better option, if you can bring him back, you don't want to bring the bank Bring break the bank on him but if you could get him to take a cut a little bit on a one-year deal I'd do it all day because you're only committed for one more year meanwhile see if I think where they made a mistake was not bringing in like the one-year guy to play defensive tackle or another guy if you could get a Jerry Hughes and a Melvin Ingram for the same money that you're paying Clowney I'd do that on one-year deals because you got twice as many chances of them playing and you you have more, more depth, more potential. I mean, we just, again, you just see how vulnerable they are when Garrett's out or Clowney's out. You don't really have a lot of depth behind them. And uh, I think it's going to be a problem until they, they find that guy. But right now I'd say, yes, if you can get him to come back, He wants to play with Watson and now Watson's gonna be the quarterback, you know, from day one. So it looks like they got a lot of that behind them. I think that you try to get it done. I would try to get something done right away with him and not play the game of, well, I'm not sure, you know, and you go to August again. I don't know if he just, you know, he's got it pretty good here, to be honest. He gets to rest quite a bit. I had People making comments when I said, you know, he's resting, you know, he's the what most well rested player in the NFL. I mean, he just <laughs> sits around and <laughs> plays on Sunday. We laughed last week when he was in the concussion. They cleared him and immediately missed practice with an illness. We thought when they said, okay, Jadavian, you've been cleared from the concussion. You go, really? <laughs> 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 you know, just kidding, but. That was kind of a running joke we had. Was like, oh yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to practice
0: yet. So, <laughs> well, I tell you, I tell you what, um, you know, this. It, it seems like you know, with salary cap management, you can get away with having sort of this salary top-heavy group on the defensive line if you're very good at selecting rookies or undrafted free agents who can fill in for you, right? but we haven't yeah. been very successful at that, right? We have the two expensive bookends at defensive end, but Tommy Togiai, you know, and, uh, you know, our other youngsters have not been very effective at defensive, at defensive tackle, and uh, I like Wright. I like what he's shown. Uh, Isaiah Thomas has is, is shown flashes as well, but uh, I really like your example of Ingram and, and Hughes as being two lesser expensive options who will give you as much or more together than Clowney would give you, uh, you know, as a, as a single signing um, as an option to the one very expensive player. Uh, and I really think this team might need to look at several less expensive options rather than trying to sign Clowney unless Clowney's willing to come here. On, on, a, on a cheaper contract, you know, without playing the games with us this year. Um, at any rate, interesting question. Thank you, Fumble13, for that. Um, and let's move on to the next question. Uh, Voltron asks, are there any clues yet regarding upcoming changes to the coaching staff this offseason? Certainly nothing leaking out through the regular media channels, right, Fred? You know, it's all... It's all pretty clamped down and quiet, and and no hints at all with regard to any postseason decisions regarding the coaching staff. So, uh, we've certainly heard, if you follow Rumor Central on the OBR, there are murmurs which have come out via our insiders, uh, but nothing via the normal media channels, right, Fred?
1: You know that who's who's going to talk? You know, as far as right. we, we'll talk tomorrow to. Joe Woods, Alex Van Pelt, and Mike Prefer. And Woods, he kind of – he doesn't give in anything, but, you know, he kind of jokes. He knows where the thing is. And last week he said, one more time, right? You know, and so tomorrow he'll probably say something like, might be the last time, guys. You know, I, I mean, he's hes a really good guy. I mean, everybody likes him. And you just – you don't know. But but this is a business, and you, you hope Stefanski, you know – really does what's best for the team and sometimes I think that he's he did what he did when he put his staff together because he felt it was but it's just I just think it's time to maybe shake things up a little bit I mean I don't know what goes in behind the walls but it just seemed like Woods is very similar to Stefanski you feel like there's really no repercussions for the, the actions of the players if they do mess up. I'm not even saying discipline. I'm saying you just got you just blew the coverage and it cost us the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: You you start next week anyway, because we're not changing anything. Or right. you just never see any anything other than a one play and then you know, oh, he didn't start. He got in the second play or you missed the first series or whatever. You just don't really see any, you feel like there's any um, repercussions for mistakes and I would just like to see a little bit more of a take charge situation on the defensive right. side from day
0: one uh, E. Gillen asked sort of a related question is, is there any thing that you've come out in your you know obviously you're there every day listening to players talk anything that comes out in terms of a player perspective on Woods uh, any sense of Um, I, I know there were comments earlier this year, uh, about players knowing their responsibilities and so on and so forth. Any sense recently that that sort of changed that players feel good about the coaching that they're getting, um, coming out in interviews?
1: Well, I mean, Miles, was kind of critical of them saying, we, you know, we don't work on takeaways or this earlier in the year. You know, and he's been, he's been defensive of Woods, and I don't know. You could take it two ways. Either he knows he's gone and he's not going to pile on him, or he really does want him to I, – I think it might be getting the inkling that there's going to be a change made and doesn't want to pile on somebody. You know, right. I think the, they like the guy. Um, and even Newsom the other day said, well, I'd like to play, you know, out – wide more than just being the slot, things like that. I mean, who's that addressing the the defensive coordinator, meaning you got me in the position. I don't really want to be in, you know, I want to just follow that elite receiver. If he's on the outside, I go out. If he comes in the slot, I stay with him. I don't necessarily want to be just the slot guy. So, I mean, you're getting kind of mixed signals all the way around, they answer with that's above my pay grade, you know, to not answer whether they think they should be back or not. So um, again, it, it's, it's hard to really know. It's not, again, right. that's why I wrote the story today. I mean, on paper, you'd say, okay. And you could go into training camp saying they're going to pick up where they left off. And then you go half, three quarters of the season and your season's over you know, right? so I think I think that they will make a change that's just it, it, you know, I think that that's usually what happens when the natives are restless and they're going to do something do that as opposed to fire the head coach because I do not think they're going to fire Kevin Stefanski.
0: No, no I don't either. Uh, Fumble13 asks, do you think Ford has shown enough to be confident that he can be <laughs> Chubb's backup next year? Certainly has on kick returns, that's for sure <clears throat>
1: Yeah, they like him. They liked him when they, or they wouldn't have drafted him as, as valuable of draft picks are and not having that many this year. He was drafted to replace Kareem Hunt, and, um, and it's evident they put him in the other day ahead of Dernus Johnson, you know, when they took Hunt out. Mm-hmm. It's his job to lose, and so I expect him to be the backup when they come to training camp might even be why John Kelly got activated the other day. I mean, I don't know why they needed five running backs active for the game, but it might just been a goodwill gesture to say, Hey, we want you back, you know, next year. And when you're a practice squad guy, you can, you can easily get plucked somewhere else anytime. So who knows? That's just my theory is that's, that's what's trending is Jerome Ford, would be the backup next year.
0: Right. Right. Another quick question. This is from eco. He says, it looks like Delpit has turned a corner. What role do you see for him in 2023? And do the Browns extend Delpit during the offseason, in your opinion?
1: I don't know. He's, he just finished his third year, but it's really a second year because he missed the year with the Achilles, his rookie year. So you, you got to give him a little bit of a, a pass. I mean, he was involved in a lot of those blown coverages early in the year and you I was talking to a couple media people and they thought he was one listed him as the most disappointing player on the roster and that was early in the year, mm-hmm. middle of the year. And now I could almost say I think he's turned around a lot of that. Now he's starting to make plays and and it might just be the lights coming on for him um right. that he's comfortable and when when a player is not thinking, they play a lot better. I mean, I think that's why we thought JOK would play a lot better this year because last year it seemed like the light came on. With Delpit, he just seems to be more aggressive going and making plays. And so I don't know about extending him. Um, I think it comes down to how much, you know, he hasn't played that much. If he has a reasonable contract, they draft him in the second round. Yeah, I would think they would talk to him, and if they could get something done, they would. But I don't think it's imperative, you know. They get it done this year, but Andrew Berry drafting him that high, forty fourth, tells me that I'm sure he values him, and so I'm sure they'll talk to him, try to get something done. You can see Greedy Williams, who was second round pick, he didn't, he's not even playing. You know, it's obvious where where his career is going with the Browns. You right. know that they're not interested in bringing him back.
0: Right, right. Yeah, not looking good from from that perspective. All right, so we got a couple other questions that we're going to try to get through here in the last five minutes. Uh, Kevin Cycle18 asks, it seems the Browns usually have a very good winning percentage after being eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, is that uh, due to uh, them playing better when there's no pressure on them? He asks. Um, I think it probably has more to do with uh, Watson coming back and the schedule getting easier these last couple of years than the last half of the season. Do you have an opinion on this, Fred?
1: Well, I mean, there's no question if we're talking this year. I mean, the other day, if there was pressure, it would have been in the second half when you just played as miserable. You know, he has, in his first four games, he had his two of the four games he had the worst quarterback rating of his career and at halftime he had a worse quarterback rating he was heading you know at that pace so if there was pressure it would have been in the second half of that washington game and he responded big time mm-hmm. you know and played well so um i just think that it's all on watson playing unfortunately he had to miss 11 games because yeah i have i have even family members arguing with me how he'd be better off with jacoby Brissett or baker mayfield It's garbage. This guy is good. And people keep questioning the move. And I'm like, as far as a football player, he is an elite quarterback. He is going to be great. It's just a matter of him getting going and getting that rhythm. And that's where I said the other day in the second half, it looked like it was there. If he could just come out and put up 30 points or more this week against the Steelers. I think that the sky's the limit going forward, you know. It means that now he's ready to keep going forward and not thinking so much. You know, and and a good indication to me is is when he's taking off running, you know, even if it's not a design play. I mean, he's had three big plays running with the ball, and that's just an element that we haven't seen here with the Browns. You know, you have the pocket passer, they collapse, you get sacked, that's it. He escapes and takes off for 20 yards. That's a game-changing play. So I just think his play takes the pressure off of everybody.
0: Yeah, and his ability to extend passing plays with his escapability, you, you know, it's just, yeah, he takes sacks. You know, he took quite a few in the first half, uh, uh, you know, this weekend. But, you uh, this is a different piece. Okay, we're going to get to two more questions. First one here from Design Critique on YouTube says, Fred, I'd like us to crush the Steelers 31 to nothing. but long-term, would it be better to beat them by only a couple of points so they don't wake up and take us too seriously going into next season? Your take on that, Fred?
1: Well, I don't think the Steelers are really the, the big, the long-term problem for the Browns. It's more like in Cincinnati or Baltimore, but no. I mean, the biggest question to me: I wrestled. If you lose this game, you get fourth place. You get a much different schedule. I mean, the Bears are three and thirteen. That's who you'd play instead of the Packers or the Lions, whoever gets third. You know, so the third schedule, you know, and then out west, you either play like I mean, it, it it's significant with a couple games different mm-hmm. between third and fourth schedule. So, but. The fact I said, get knocking the Steelers out of the playoffs, knocking Tomlin out of having a winning year for the first time. And it's the Steelers. That's just too big to me to not have the desire to win that game. So I think you want to win that game. And I think you want to go out and put a stamp on it. And I think it's for attracting free agents. You go out and and put it down on the Steelers that are battling for the playoffs. Teams will wake up that are like wide receivers. I was talking about, or even defensive players, going that team is on their way. Yeah, they got dealt a bad blow eleven game suspension, but from day one next year, they could be very formidable. So I yeah. think it does more for them to to win this game and to win it big, to be honest. And I think yeah. they could. They're a much better team on offense. If you just outscore them, you know you're you'd be in good shape.
0: I, I just don't. I don't think the Steelers need anything to fire them up to play the Cleveland Browns. You know, <laughs> there you go. There you go. One last question. One last question. This comes from uh, Sancho Bermuda. He asks, uh, "Would you rather tackle Chubb or let Miles Garrett tackle you? Uh, <clears throat> what is your What is your preference, Fred?"
1: Well, he says tackle. So I would not tackle Chubb. Garrett. I would just. I would just fall. Um, As soon as he got near me, so, you know, I would already absorb the blow, so to say. Put the shades on. Going to be optimistic. You're going to see the offense pick up where they left off and put up a good um, – I say they're going to score 30 points against the Steelers on Sunday.
0: All right. I like to hear that. I like to hear that. Let's end with a blast of optimism. And we will see you back here on January 11th for OBR Weekly. For uh, Fred Greetham with the shades on, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your questions. As always, we will see you here next Wednesday for OBR Weekly. Good night, everybody.
1: See ya. Thank you.